everyone. Welcome to the Roto Grinders Morning Grind Podcast. I'm your host, Stevie TPFL. It's Monday. It is July 27th. It's 2020, and we have 10 baseball games that we're going to talk about here on today's slate. I'm joined by my good buddy, Genie for 07. Grant, how are you doing, my friend? Oh, I'm doing absolutely fantastic. Three days into baseball season, four days in, which for if you count opening day, and it's going well, and I'm happy. Yeah, I took the weekend off. Like, it was weird. Um, I always take the weekend off when it comes to fantasy baseball. But, um, you know, it was interesting because we've, we've had a couple of days and it was just like, all right, well, I'm taking the weekend off like I normally do because I'm so busy with NASCAR stuff. And Sunday, like not having any NASCAR, it was, um, it was the honey-do list day for sure. Um, so definitely had to get that stuff taken care of. Um, but, yeah, I'm ready. Um, I already started looking at this site or this slate about two hours ago. So um, I'm ready to roll here, man. Um, we are going to talk about the 6 o'clock game because FanDuel did include it on their main slate. Uh, DraftKings starts with the Braves and Rays 640 games. So let's get started there. we got the Blue Jays and the Nationals. Trent Thornton against Anibal Sanchez. Um, any interest here in Thornton? No, I mean, he came out last year at the beginning and had a decent K rate with striking out guys and then just turned into total trash. Uh, he really doesn't have that great of stuff. Like, he has a whole bunch of pitches in his arsenal, but dude gives up a lot of fly balls, a lot of hard contact, and this Washington team, even without Soto in there, is pretty good. 5.5 run total against him. Like, I think the weather is going to be 90, so I'm, I'm fully out on Thornton. Yeah, I'm fully out on Thornton, too. Um, we'll talk about the Nationals' bats in a second, but I actually like some of these guys. Uh, let's go over to the Toronto side here. Um, they're facing Anibal Sanchez. Any interest in Sanchez? No, kind of splits neutral. We know what he is. He's a low strikeout pitcher that occasionally has a great outing for no apparent reason, but uh, splits neutral. So, like, a lot of these righties, Biggio, Guerrero, Guriel, like – they're, they're going to do some damage against him. Again, good hand conditions, so no interest in Sanchez for me. All right, let's talk bats. Um, again, this is just on FanDuel, but, you know, we're looking at, you know, Vlad Guerrero Jr., 2,800 on FanDuel. Bo Bichette, um, 3,000 on FanDuel. Biggio is the most expensive guy here at 3,400, but, like, if you wanted to necessarily, like, roll this, like, Toronto stack out here against high-contact Sanchez, like, they're not expensive. Yeah, no, uh, they like Biggio is pretty much the only expensive guy, and he's like, again, Sanchez is a bit splits neutral, so I'm not really looking at lefty righty matchup. So lefty going up against Sanchez, not worried about it too much. So Bichette, Guriel, Guerrero are all fantastic plays, and I mean, if you want to round out the stack, like you can easily do it with a guy like Shaw, who I know was trash for most of last year, um, but. No telling if he's going to do great again this year, but it's worth a shot. And Tellez has some power. Like, like there, there's a lot of guys in this lineup that you can throw in as the fourth bat. Like, obviously, my favorites are Bichette, uh, Gary Allen, Guerrero. But everyone else in the lineup, I'm fine with throwing in as a fourth, fourth option. Over on FanDuel, this is a great stack, in my opinion. Sanchez can get blown up like crazy at any given time. He can get a little bit wild. So, uh, I'm a fan of the Blue Jays stack here. My three favorite bats are the ones I already said. Yeah, what's interesting too about this stack over on FanDuel is like if you if you go for like that Shaw stack with Biggio, Vlad, and Bo, 
like you're using all your infield spots. So you get three outfield and a utility and probably a really good pitcher, um, you know, for, for, for this slate anyway. So, um, you know, definitely in play. Going over to the Washington side of things, you know, these guys are outside of Trey Turner, really cheap too. I think Adam Eaton is definitely going to be pretty popular here at 2,900. Um, Eric Thames is 2,600. Some cheap bats. Thornton really struggled, like you said, um, down the stretch. And, you know, just looking at his overall numbers, there's nothing that really stands out to me for him to kind of have like a, a stellar season. Yeah, no, I mean, he couldn't. Like, he's he's got – like, he's got a big pit mix and he can absolutely turn into a decent starter but all signs from what we saw last year were kind of point towards like he just had a like fluky start where he was striking out a bunch of guys but we know he's going to give a hard contact regardless we know he's going to give up fly balls regardless I'm kind of like eaten he's absolutely in there 2.9k like Turner is expensive but he's a decent bat but I'm fine with any of these other guys like Castro if he's batting up high in the order 2.5K, I know he wasn't great last year, but going up against a guy that gives up a decent amount of hard contact, and he's got a 40% hard contact rate. Thames, Suzuki, Kendrick, like Suzuki's a guy that we plan to use against lefties predominantly, but he's actually got some power against righties too, and I have no problem using him here, especially with a guy that's just an average strikeout pitcher going up against him. So like pretty much one through five over on FanDuel, I'm more than happy to deal with it. Again, people aren't going to use Suzuki too much because he's a catcher, but he is only 2K. So lots of pricings there. I don't mind any of these guys if he ends up making the lineup at one through six. All great with me. All right, Atlanta at Tampa. Michael fulton against Tyler Glass now. Um, any interest in fulton here? Fulte, he was a bit better towards the end of the season, and he is going up against a decently high strikeout raise team. Problem is there's going to be a lot of lefties in it, and he did struggle a bit striking out lefties last season. I I don't know if I hate it, to be honest. Like that, uh, He was a guy that I hated using for a long time, and then he got his, um, his fastball up a bit higher towards the end of the season. Got blown up a few times, but he showed a little bit better stuff there. He's 10.3 is the big problem. Like on other sites where he's a bit cheaper, I don't mind using him. Um, but – like long shot GPP play. I think he's in play, but the price tag is what really gets me off. So if you find a cheap build, which there are a few cheap bats on this slate that you can go with, with high totals. Um, I'm not happy about the one that I'm thinking of, but it's on there. Uh, if you have like some high total, low price bats, I don't mind pairing them along with Fulton Evich. Yeah, like Fulty at the end of the year was the Fulty that we saw the year before. Um, you know, 2018 Fulty was really strong. 2019 started terrible but ended good. Um, my biggest concern with Fulton Nevich isn't the lefties. It's the Atlanta. Atlanta has already come out and said they're going to be very careful with their starting pitchers the first two times through um, as far as like pitch count goes. And like, that's not what I want to hear at 10.3K. Um, so. Like, I struggle with that. Like, if you're playing tournaments, I do think he's in play. We know that he has 30-plus upside. Um, and this game, being in Tampa, obviously the much much better ballpark for him. Um, Glass now on the other side, you know, Atlanta's lineup is scary. Um, this team, you know, definitely has a ton of upside. They added, you know, Zuna to this lineup. Like, this lineup is strong. 
Yeah, this lineup is strong. Um, I don't really care about that. Like, Glass now has got great no? stuff. Yeah. What worries me is, like, what is Tampa going to do with him? Like, they they were a little bit careful with him last time, and he didn't have a big walk rate, but he would actually get – he would work the count a decent amount and lots of balls flying – or lots of foul balls flying off of him. I have to know more about his pitch count. If we get any news one way or the other, that'll kind of make my decision for me. If we don't get any news, then I think I'm going to roll the dice with him. He's 8.9K. They're, like I said, are a decent amount of cheap bats on the slate here. So, dude was just unreal at certain points last season. We didn't have a huge sample size from him. But he was throwing some heat, and he was striking guys out like crazy. I know it's a tough lineup, but they're – are some strikeouts in it, depending on which lineup ends up coming out here. But there may be a ton of strikeouts in this high power lineup. And Glass now was a 50% ground ball pitcher. So I hope we get news on how many innings he's probably going to pitch, although it's Tampa Bay. I don't know if we will. But if he's going to go late enough into the game, I have a ton of interest in him. Yeah, Mark Tompkin, um, the beat writer, the guy that follows the Rays that we follow all the time, um, he's on my MLB list. And he tweeted out that they're going to take it inning by inning. So, like, we're not going to get news. Um, like, they're going to take it inning by inning. So, like, if you're playing glass now, it's tournaments. Um, and you're just hoping that he's pitching really well. Because if he's pitching really well, they'll probably let him go a lot longer than if he's walking guys and struggling. So, glass now is tournament option only. Not only because he's facing, like, the Braves and this lineup strong. It's more of just, like, I want guys that are going to go out and throw deeper into games, even if they're not as quality as some of these guys. Um, so, you know, for me, glass now tournament only, uh, any Braves bats that you like here? No, no. I mean, we're going to get Tampa Bay bullpen and glass now. Like it, it, it's strictly tournaments for me and it's strictly long shot. Um, like you can throw in Albies, Acuna, Freeman, even Matt Adams, if he cracks the lineup there, cause he's so cheap. Like, there are guys that could take the ball to the ballpark, but it's being played over in Tampa. Ground ball pitcher doesn't give up a ton of hard contact. Like, I just don't see many scenarios where the Braves put up a ton of runs in this game. And honestly, one of my early on, one of my favorite bets that I was looking at is the under of what is it, eight and a half runs on this game? Yeah, it's, it's small. It was one of the smaller ones on the slate. Yeah, but I mean, I still like the under. Like, I don't, I don't think there's going to be many runs scored in this game. Yeah, I'm kind of with you. Like, if you're approaching this Braves lineup, you're approaching it as like, all right, maybe Glassnell struggles, and you get like a bulk bullpen game. But Tampa's bullpen's still really strong, so like, like it's still not like a win-win situation. So like, you know, I, I think stack or nothing. I don't really want a one-off like Freeman or Azuna or Albies. These guys are great, but uh, if I'm going to play the Braves, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stack them up here. And as far as Tampa goes, like, they're a low-owned, cheaper stack on the slate. Like, if Fulte's not pitching well, he already struggles with lefties. And, like, you know, with Meadows out, a lot of these lefties are cheap. Yeah, yeah, no. I mean, we have to worry a little bit about pinch hit risk but we got Lau up there we got Choi both of them under 4.4k Diaz he's got some pop like I know Fulte is better versus righties but um like a, this there's not a, the highest price guy outside of Lau is Choi at 3.9k they have a 4.7 run total like Fulte is a well-known guy even though he struggled a little bit last season he's still well known as being 
predominantly their ace. I, 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 this is one of the what three or four really cheap stacks on the slate. Like there are one, two, three teams I see at least where you can get an average stack of about 4k per guy taking the best guys in the lineup. And it, it's, it's going to be, you're going to have money considering there isn't an absolute ace that you want to use. Fulty's the most expensive guy on the slate. So I, I have no problem using the Rays and like, they're probably going to be close to the lowest owned of the really cheap stacks. So go with the guys with power, Choi, Lau, Diaz a little bit. And I mean, we'll see who else is in the lineup, but this is not a bad way to go. And you can save it. This might be a day where you leave money on the board. Yeah. um, I think that definitely could be contrarian. Moving on. We got the Cubs and the Reds, John Lester, Wade Miley. Um, Any interest here in John Lester? No, like there's, there might be some rain concerns. Um, but aside from that, like Lester, not a huge strikeout guy. If I had to guess someone that was going to go a little bit later into the game, it'd probably be him. But he's going up to, against a whole lot of power righties in the lineup here who can just absolutely take him out of the ballpark here. So I'm, I'm, I'm staying away from Lester. Yeah. Um, I don't like Lester either. Um, I like the other side a lot more here, and we'll talk about that in just a second. Um, any interest here in Wade Miley? Nope. Nope. I mean, Cincinnati's a decent park for strikeouts, uh, but there's some power against right or against lefties here in this Chicago lineup. Miley's probably – he might go a little bit later into the game than he was over in Houston, but probably not a guy that's going to give you a slate-winning – uh, score on this spot here. Like there are some strikeouts in this lineup, but I don't think he's going to be able to get it done here. I, I have very little to no interest in Miley, especially if there's rain. So I, when I was doing my initial research, like I had zero interest in Wade Miley. I was with you. And then I started digging in. We know like last year he added that cutter. Um, and it was one of the reasons that like he tilted us so much, so I was like digging into like how the Cubs do well do against left-handed cutters, and like honestly, there's not a lot of data. Um, you know, so I started to look at like how they do against like right-handed like cutters, and they're not very good against right-handed cutters. Um, so I don't know if I want to like I, I want to stack the Cubs. I, I want to stack both sides of this game, but I also am throwing this out there because like don't be tilted at the end of the night if like Wade Miley only gives up like one or two runs. Because, you know, that's what he did a lot last year with this new cutter. And, like, we don't have a lot of data. There's a lot of ground ball data. Um, A lot of these guys were hitting ground balls. Like, Chris Bryant, who the stats say are the best play, is one of the better guys against cutters, too. So, like, just don't don't be shocked at the end of the night. Like, if you're with me stacking the Cubs in this game, like, don't be shocked at the end of the night if they, like, have two runs against Wade Miley. I mean, I understand that, like... And he I'm still throws, stacking them. Yeah, full, decl- I mean, full disclosure. Yeah, Cutter is, if I remember correctly, Cutter's kind of a pitch where it, it's a little bit more hand dependent. Like, I'm, I'm going to double check right now, but I feel like the lefty, I mean, his lefty right splits are fairly similar um, on both sides. Well, like his hit distance went down, like from 2018, it was, it was like crazy. It was like 
his hit distance was like 170 and it went down to like 150 um, because he started to throw the cutter more. Yeah, well, he also can uh, mix it up a little bit with his change up there, so that definitely helps. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I need to look into that a little bit more. It's been as, – as you know, it's been a little over <laughs> a year since I've really looked into pitch type data that much. <laughs> yeah, I just remember looking into it so much. Because, like, Wade Miley last year, like, he tilted us so much last year. Um, oh, yeah. You know, so, I'm, I remember looking into it a lot. And, like, it was it was really just based around the cutter. But, listen, you know, I, I play – I usually play one to three teams a night. It, you know, if I end up on playing three on this slate, which I probably will, um, I'll, I'll have a version of a, a Cubs stack because it is juicy and this game's juicy in general. Yeah. I just yeah. wanted to, like – I wanted to throw the disclaimer out there because, like, the data suggests, like, the cutter was a lot better last year. Yeah, and I, I need to look a little bit. Like, it's – as I said, it's been a long time, and <laughs> this is the first look podcast, but it's been a long time since I really looked at ball movement and pitch type. So, it, it's slowly coming back. We're only four days into the season. My issue, too, like, really quick – was like if you looked at like the left-handed numbers for a lot of the Cubs hitters last year, they hit the ball on the ground so much against lefties last year, and like that's like super concerning when you're like wanting to stack and you know get those home runs and stuff. So like I need to look into that more and look in like how much like how many total home runs they hit against lefties last year too. Yeah, I mean it's super interesting. Like we don't have a huge sample size. We see close to fifty percent average ground ball rate for the Cubs, but we see guys like half of them have a 300 plus ISO. So we're like looking at the starting lineup and we see a huge amount of ground balls, but still actually seeing the ball leave the park a decent amount. It's, I think it's more of a sample size problem. And I believe if you look at the 2018, 2019 numbers, like Bryant is a guy that hit a ton of ground balls last year against lefties, but the year before, he was hitting the ball up in the air a whole lot more, and guys like Contreras were hitting the ball up in the air a bit more. Um, so you kind of see that ISO, and it just becomes kind of a sample size problem. So I, I, I think I'm not terribly worried about it. Um, and, yes, even though Wade Miley is a good ground ball picture, I feel like they can. he's not going to get them off balance enough where they can't get the ball into the air. All right, let's go to the red side of this game. What's your thoughts here when it comes to Cincinnati? I mean, the hard-hitting righties. Um, Castellanos, Suarez, Aristides, if he's in the lineup. Davidson, if he's in the lineup. Uh, wait, Davidson? Davis, get, Davidson. Yeah, he got the Rona. COVID, yeah. Yeah, I was trying to remember. He was 2,100, too. Like, it would have been such a juicy spot. Yeah, yeah. Gosh, who else got the – who else got uh, it? Moustakas. That was it. All right. I was trying to remember. I was out golfing today uh, during all the games and strictly just sports bet today. Um, so I can't – it's trying to remember all that. Uh, but, yeah, the hard-hitting righties, whoever's in the lineup, absolutely go for them, especially the guys that can get the ball up in the air. Like, just I, – I, I like the stack, especially if this game isn't going to have any rain problems. Yeah, they called up um... – Arcadis um, Aquino on Aristides. Saturday when, yeah, when um, when all that stuff went down, like I, I got the alerts. Um, so he's a hard hitting righty that's like very boomer bust. Um, but they priced him way up, so like he could be lower owned here. This is probably my favorite stack on the slate. Um, so I really want to look into it. Um, 
you know, because, like, Nick Senzel was scratched Sunday because he wasn't feeling well. So, like, we could see a lot of red, reds drop here, um, unfortunately, over the next couple of days. And, like, we could get, like, guys like Philip Irvin in the lineup and get, like, cheaper parts of this stack while still getting, like, Suarez and Castellanos and, you know, stuff like that. So, I really like the reds here. I hope the weather holds off. I love stacking against John Lester because not only do you get, like, power upside like if you get some of these quicker guys on base like you get the stolen base upside too so um really like the red stack on the slate i hope they kind of go um a little overlooked um up next you got the yankees and the phillies jay Happ against uh jake arietta um any interest here in Happ? not really like there's enough varieties in this lineup where he really struggles against them like the upside's kind of the same regardless of the lineup just because of his k rate and his walk rate's pretty similar on both sides. Um, but we don't have a ton of pitching options on the slate, and he's 8.5K now that we really need the uh, salary on the slate. But if he's going to come in at low ownership, like that, that's how I could see playing him. But I, I'm assuming New York is going to be like they are with a lot of the other pitchers, be a little bit like cautious in his first start. And so... I don't know. Like, it's a decent price tag. There's not a ton of Ks in this lineup. It's right at league average, and there's a lot of power and a lot of power righties. So, if he's going to come in at super low ownership, we have him projected for around 4 or 5%, then I'll be on him. But I don't think that's going to be the case considering how small the slate is. Yeah, I definitely don't hate that idea. Um, like my biggest issue with Hap is like he is a massive splits guy. Like he's really, really good against lefties and he's terrible against righties. Like his numbers against righties last year, 42% fly ball rate, a 25% hard to soft contact rate with a less than 20% strikeout rate. Like his hit distance was 187. Um, so with this game being in Philly too, good hitters ballpark. Like for me on, on Hap, it would just be like a low ownership, a low ownership play. Um, Cause I agree with you, like pitching on this slate, we're, we're on like four, number three, number four, number five starters for a lot of these teams. Um, so like, we're going to have slates like this until it starts to even out a little bit. Um, and this is one of those slates where like, I feel like you want to prioritize your hitting um, more than your pitching. So um, definitely want to get some of those Philly bats, and we'll talk about that here in a second. Um, Jake Arietta, man, old man Arietta. Um, last season, one thing Arietta did really well was keep the ball on the ground against right-handed batters. And when you look at the Yankees lineup, we're looking at seven righties. We were just talking about not having a ton of pitching. Arietta's not going to go out and strike out ten guys, but can he throw like five or six quality innings here against the Yankees at sub ten percent ownership? I mean, if Fed can. Um, <laughs> That's true. <laughs> gosh, that was infuriating. Um, but, yeah, it's an interesting spot. Like like I said, we don't have a ton of pitching. There is a guy in this around the same price range that I'd prefer, but he's likely to be chalky. Arietta's going up against the Yankees. Like, there is some good strikeout bats here, and he's not really a giant strikeout guy but he's definitely better against righties and there's some high strikeout righties in this lineup. So I, I hate playing area. Like I absolutely hate it. It just drains my soul every single time, 
but I think you have to consider it considering he's going up against a 5.8 run total. Like it's strictly a game theory play because he can go like of all the guys on the slate, most likely guy to go six innings. If he's seven innings, if he's not getting blown up is probably Arietta because everyone else they're going to be careful with like Phillies are one of those bubble teams that may or may not make the playoffs, but can really do something if they're in the playoffs. So they have a little bit more to play for, for a 60 game season. Arietta, they'll let him go deep. I, I hate saying this, but yes, I'm in agreement. I, for tournaments, strictly game theory play strictly because the pop probability of outcomes, there are a few times where he ends up being one of the best pitchers on the entire slate. And he's going up against the second chalkiest likely lineup on the slate. Yeah. I can tell you guys already, like I do um, GPP tags for premium, like core four um, premium at Rotor grinders. You, I already tell you that Jake Arrieta is going to be one of my tournament pitchers on the slate that I'm going to tag and write up because we don't have a lot of options. He's cheap. I want to prioritize bats. Like, if you're playing the Yankees, let's talk Yankees bats. Like, if you're playing the Yankees here, you stack them. Like, you're not playing one-offs, right? Like, you're stacking this team. Yeah, it's basically area is going to get into some trouble. Like, he'll give up one to two bombs early on, and then the bullpen's probably going to bring in some of the bad arms, considering Hap can limit the damage against the Phillies, and then the Yankees have a great bullpen that they can bring in if they want to pull them after four innings or so. So, yeah, you're stacking up the Yankees any which way, like, Let's be honest. We don't care one through nine. Play any of them. Play literally any of them. Price tag on Judge is a little bit cheap. Price tag on Voight is a little bit cheap, even though he's hitting sixth in the lineup. Gary Sanchez, probably the premier catcher on this slate here. Like, it's the Yankees. It is what it is. They have the second highest run total on the board here. They can hit bombs. It's 90 degrees out there. They are going up against a ground ball pitcher but some of these guys can easily get the ball up in the air and Stan can hit any pitcher out of the ballpark. Like Yankees are going to be the second highest owned stack on the slate. I have no problem with playing them. I'm probably going to stay away just strictly because of the size of the slate. And I know the probability of outcomes, they can do what they did on Saturday and just suck. And so I'm probably staying away, but just based purely on the numbers, Yankees are the second best stack on the slate just in, in terms of average output. Yeah, like the other thing really quick, like if you want to play a one-off, it would be Hicks just for what it's worth. Like he'd be the one-off that I'd play. I don't think I'd play anybody else as a one-off. Um, Phillies bats, what do you got here for the Phillies? Hard-hitting righties. <laughs> yeah. Really Hoskins, simple. your boy. Reese. Uh, Reese McCutcheon. Lefty matcher, suck at Cardi. Um, Real Muto, Segura, like Kingery, if he's in the lineup there, is not a terrible call at 3.6K. But, like, Segura's – why is he only 3.3K? He's, he's the best player on the slate. If you yeah. consider Price, he's the best player on the slate. Like, Price you're not going to need it, but – He's also playing third and short. Like, yeah. <laughs> he's, he's, yeah, it's he's, just... he's going to be so heavily owned, and there's a very, very good reason behind it. Yeah. It, it, no, it, like his, he's just like, he, like even like, was somebody else supposed to pitch? I wonder because like Hoskins is 4K. Like we get into these guys and they're just outside of Real Muto and Bryce Harper. These guys are all really cheap. So like, I could see using like a Philly three man um, 
you know, and not going like Harper or Real Muto or playing a five man, like however you want to do it. Like I think the Phillies are very much in play here as a stack. If you're going to stack, I don't hate throwing DD in there. There is, I believe. Revenge. Yeah, well, revenge is a <laughs> stupid stat in baseball, but going up against a pitcher you used to play with for, I think, at least, what, two years? Um, that's a little bit different thing. Like, you know what's coming from that pitcher a little bit more. Uh, so, they're, like, revenge is mostly a worthless narrative unless it's going to be a pitcher going later into a game against his former team. But, like, former players against former pitchers, it, I think there is some things that no one's going to play him lefty-lefty, especially with Segura 100 bucks cheaper. And we don't know how late Hap's going to go into the game, so we could get some righties out of the bullpen. Like, DD is a great contrarian play off of Segura. It's the only that's the only crappy thing about Stack and Philly, right? Like you don't want to face the the seventh, eighth, and ninth inning for the Yankees. So um yeah. that's the only bad part. But yeah, I like DD. Well, if I you're like stacking them and they're going off, then like your stacks you're, either dead or you're you're getting the bad bullpen arms. Yeah, you're hoping, right? Um but yeah, DD really quick, like two fifty ISO against lefties last season, less than fifteen percent K rate. So like he can do damage too. So I I love that call. It's definitely a way to be a little bit different um, if you're looking at the Phillies here. Uh, we got the Brewers and the Pirates. Hauser against Stephen Brault. Um, any interest here in Hauser? So, like, that's that's a big thing. How late is he going to go into the game? He could be on the uh, – like, he, he was limited for a bit of last year. I don't know what they're planning on doing. Obviously, they have a great bullpen, and they got some other pitchers that they can throw out there. Like, so I don't know how cautious they're going to be this early on in the season with him in terms of his pitch count. It's something to look at tomorrow um but i think regardless like he's go there's weather concerns and he's going up against a likely low strikeout pittsburgh lineup uh there's only a four three run total he's 8.3k people are gonna have the money to pay for him so he's probably gonna draw some ownership but the pitch count is a concern in the matchup while he's not gonna give up a whole lot of runs in all likelihood he very easily is not going to strike out too many guys in all likelihood. So I don't know if I'm going to end up using any Hauser. There's too many concerns for me. I think I'm just out on him. The only thing that I'll say on Hauser, like if you're playing over on Fandily 6K, and like if he can get through five, he probably has one of the better win probabilities on the slate. Um, so I don't think he's a bad option over there. I think he's in play on DraftKings too. Really going to see, like, if he's going to be, like, 35% owned, I think that's way different. You know, that's a whole different conversation. But like Grant said earlier, we're a first-look podcast. It's always been that way. We we look at the slate more from statistical side than ownership side. And, like, if Hauser's not going to be too popular, I think he's definitely in play on a slate where we don't have a ton of options. And it sounds like he's going to be a starter this year. So – Everything that I've read said he's going to be a starter. We're not going to see, like, this whole, like, he's going to go out and throw two innings thing. So, we'll have to see. Like, that's obviously something that – He was definitely moving towards that last right. year, towards the end of last year. And I would assume that's the thing. Again, I haven't looked into it a ton. I'm kind of waiting to hear if I – like, we don't know what news we'll get at any point during this season because, I mean, people are getting booted because of corona, like, two hours before the game. So, we don't know if we'll get any news, but it's – it's something that's just in the back of my mind and everything else just kind of makes me think like I don't want to use him. Yeah, fair enough. Um, Steven Brault on the other side, I don't want to use him. Uh, low strikeout guy. 
struggles against righties and outside of Yelich, they, they technically could throw like eight right-handed bats against him here. Yep. Yeah. And Yelich is still pretty good versus lefties. Uh, He's 4.3 K, which on another slate might make me salivate a little bit at the thought of playing him and just hoping for 15, 18 points. This is not a slate where we need, like, unless you want to do a Yankees Houston stack, which I mean, honestly, talking about now, I wouldn't mind doing a Yankees-Houston stack with Brawlton there just to mess around. Uh, but he's – like, his his price tag makes me think, all right, but, like, it, it's strictly just to play other, other bats in my lineup that I can prioritize that are going to be huge total games. Uh, let's talk bats here. Anything standing out to you for the Brewers? Ron? Ira, Garcia, probably Kane. Uh, Garcia is probably my favorite out of any of them. He's 4.2K, which I don't think is a terrible price tag. He's good versus lefties. Brault struggles against righties. But uh, any of the hard-hitting guys and then throwing a 5.9K Yelich on this slate is not going to be that tough considering you can double stack it with a Detroit team or any other cheap team like the Phillies even and still get him fit him in there with some decent pitching options. So, uh, it's a hard-hitting righties in Yelich. Yeah, I also want to throw out there, like, Justin Smoke used to be really good against lefties, and, like, that's kind of died off. Um, I don't even hate throwing, like, Justin Smoke in there if you're going to go, like, Yelich, Braun, Garcia. Kane used to be really good against lefties, too. So, like, there are ways you could definitely get a Brewer stack out there. Um, I just – I don't like this ballpark either. Like, I don't like stacking yeah. in Pittsburgh. Um, we do have some good ballparks on the slate. So – uh, and then on the other side, the Pittsburgh side of things, like Hauser is a good pitcher. Um, so I don't really necessarily see myself like stacking um, Pittsburgh in Pittsburgh on this slate. Like Bell as a one-off is always in play. Um, Ozuna as a one-off is always in play. But like these guys are more one-off plays for me than like a full-on stack. Yeah, it worked about four times last year, stacking Pittsburgh in Pittsburgh and those were just massive bad-up games. Something I stay away from unless, like, it really helps something else fit. But I want Josh Bell in my lineup if I'm stacking him. So that kind of makes it a little tougher. And there's a lot of other cheap stacks. I am i don't know if I'll play a single Pittsburgh player tomorrow. Yeah, like, what stinks is, like, they have Ozuna and Bell at first base. So, like, you can't even get, like, the two, like, main power bats in the same lineup here on DraftKings. So, yep, you know, it's tough to make the stack happen. Mariners and Astros, Kendall Graveman against Josh James. Um, any interest here in Graveman? No, I'm just mostly sad the Mariners are trash. That's the end of it. Don't play Graveman against the Astros. He's not a strikeout pitcher, and the Astros are good. Okay, so I did some digging on Kendall Graveman. Uh, we don't have a ton of, like, data on him. And one thing that I found out is, like, this dude throws gas. I don't know if you knew that or not. Like, he has been working on this new fastball, and, like, he was hitting, like, upper 90s, like, 96, 97 on their inner squad game, like, a week ago, two weeks ago. So, listen, what we saw from Kendall Graveman when he was with the Athletics was, you know, decent stuff, but no strikeout pitch. If he's really throwing this hard now, like, maybe it adds a strikeout pitch. Um Here's my thing, really quick. Like, it's the Astros. 
He's 4,900. I don't need to go this low today. I'm going to watch this game. I'm going to see how Kendall Graveman pitches, and maybe we get him in a different kind of spot where we can take advantage of this heat that he's throwing now. That's that's And then Josh James. Josh James is probably going to be one of the chalkiest pitchers on the slate, right? I would assume so. Assuming he's going to go long enough in the game, 30% K rate last season, going up against one of the worst lineups in baseball that strikes out a decent amount. Yeah, I would say so. And like just based on game theory, I like I might fade him, I might play him. I really have no lean either way because biggest concern is fly balls and hard contact because of the pitches he throws and the heat he throws. And if they guess the right pitch, they can take it out of the ballpark. But let's be honest, who's gonna take it out of the ballpark? Lewis, Vogelbach, maybe Seeger, but everyone else is just trash in this lineup. Yeah, lineup's not great. Um, you know, we saw him – he was more of a – like a reliever down the stretch last year, wasn't he? Like, is he going to yeah, throw – I don't I don't know. That's, that's the main thing. I wouldn't think that he's going to throw a full outing. But the Astros, obviously, Verlander's out for a significant period of time. They no longer have Garrett Cole. Yes, they got McCullers back. Um, but they're – they've uh, – like – I don't know what they're going to do with the rotation. I haven't found enough information where I can know because they obviously have some depth. They have Peacock that they could possibly throw back in, even with his walk issues. But we don't really know exactly what they're going to do with the rotation. So he's going to start. I don't want to interrupt you. He's going to, I just found a, like he's, he was their number four even before Verlander got hurt and he was stretched out during um, this summer camp. So he's going to start and throw. There we go. So he's going to be chalky. He's probably going to do well because the Mariners suck and he throws heat. Yeah, he has a really good swinging strike rate, but we don't have any sample size. Like everything that we have for him is mostly like one or two innings out of the bullpen. So, um, yeah, like this is definitely interesting. Um, Listen, if you're playing like a cash game format, you're probably playing Josh James, right? Like, you know, he's probably one of the safer pitchers on the slate. Yeah. even in tournaments, I don't think he's a bad play on this slate. But if you're playing Josh James, you got to be different with your bats. Maybe you're leaving salary on the table. Maybe you're stacking a lower own team. Um, outside of like Lewis and Vogelbach, there's not really much to like here on the Seattle bats. And you probably play those as just like chasing home runs as one offs. Yeah, I mean, you can go with JP Crawford. You can go with Seeger. Seeger obviously had a tough season. Last season really didn't do a whole lot. He did have one random two home run game, but he's a guy that's in the past who's shown some decent numbers. And I think he's actually been pretty decent versus lefties, which is more than likely going to regress um, more to the mean. And he's going to be better versus righties. Yeah. Last season overall, he had decent numbers, but he had a 394 Woba versus lefties and a 300 Woba versus righties, um, which isn't, something that's normal so overall his numbers are probably better and his platoon splits probably going to be a little bit closer to the mean so i don't mind throwing in seager there at 3.5k just going up against a chalky pitcher and if you want to do a three-man stack with lewis seager and vogelbach you're not paying a ton of money for him and you're getting some massive leverage uh astros bats here springer bregman altuve they're all super expensive correa he's affordable um you know kyle tucker is not too bad gary l is pretty cheap brantley's pretty cheap like michael brantley uh, on a normal slate would be 
you know, 30% owned at 3,300 in this spot. Um, do we still think he's going to be really popular, even though we don't need the $3,300 value? We don't, but you got to realize that in cash games, people are probably going to be thro- paying up for Josh James and possibly paying up for uh, Glass now just because they can, and you know you're getting those automatic Ks. So while in tournaments, people are going to slightly stay away from it, but all those people throwing their cash game lineups in tournaments are going to all have Brantley in it, and they're all going to have Segura in it. So, yes, he's still going to be fairly heavily owned here just because he's a guy with a platoon split who had some of the best numbers in the league last season. For for years now, like Brantley is a good hitter. Um, low strikeout rate. He's going to put the ball in play. Uh, great for cash games here. Even if even if you don't need it, yeah, he's great for cash games. So, um, man, like overall though, like with Brantley being so cheap, it, it's it's almost really too easy to make a five man Houston stack here. No, it absolutely is. Even with Curiel being cheap, even though his home runs might regress a little bit. Like Correa, Correa is even 4.4K, and we have one pitcher over 10K. Yes, the the Astros and the Yankees are going to be uber chalky in the slate, more the Astros than the Yankees by a decent margin. So just based on that, like Graveman maybe is throwing heat, maybe he is doing well, maybe a lot of the numbers last year. The Astros were because they were dirty, rotten cheaters, um, but – like the Astros are the chalk play and they're the chalk play for a reason. And Brantley's going to be the chalkiest of any of them for a very specific reason. So play him in cash, play Astros in cash tournaments. I'm fine with fading, but it's a, it's, it's a game theory play more than a numbers play. White Sox and Indians, um, Dylan sees against Aaron, um, Seville. Um, any interest here in Dylan sees? I don't think so. Like the dude's got to be the two of the popular pitchers, right? this game yeah i just feel like like pricing being so easy i feel like people might pay up for these guys because they have some strikeout stuff i mean but the main thing i i I think cease less than uh seville like 5.1 run total against them like cleveland yes they have some big strikeout bats but the top four of their lineup just doesn't strike out and there's power in this lineup so I don't think that he's going to be chalky at all. Like I think okay. people are going to see the strikeout rate of Glass now. Like not really know a whole lot of things. He's going to be a little bit chalkier. But Seville, over on the other side, that's a different story. But I, I don't have a ton of interest in Cease just because of the top of the lineup there that he's most likely going to get through a few times um, or have to go through a few times. I, I, I'm out on him. Like, he's got good stuff, but I, I don't imagine him being too chalky, and I still don't have a ton of interest in him. Yeah, my biggest concern with him is, like, he has, he was very, like, different splits last season. Like, you know, he was really good against lefties, but he struggled a lot more against righties last year. So, uh, or really good against righties and struggled against lefties. Sorry, I said it backwards there. Um, you know, really high strikeout rated to righties. And, like, this is another team that, you know, can throw six, seven lefties at him. So, you know, this is all going to depend on the lineup. If they throw a lot of lefties at him, I'm not going to play him. Um, and then on the other side, Seville, um, man, like he had really good strikeout stuff against lefties last year, Grant, but like 27.4% hard to soft contact ratio. Like it's strikeouts or hard hits here. And like, we have bats in this lineup. Like the White Sox, this lineup overall is much better than last year. 
Oh, yeah, it's a fantastic lineup. And you know how I love playing the White Sox. I have, like, I don't think Spill's going to be that chalky. I have a lot of interest in him. Like, people are going to feel the need to pay up. I think that a lot of, like, this is the night before. I think a lot of people are going to pay for uh, probably Pablo Lopez. And then they're going to go with a second guy like Hap, who's in a decent spot. And they're going to go uh, with someone like Glass now. But, I mean, it depends a little bit on the rain. But, Seville, I have a decent amount of interest in him. So, yes, the White Sox can absolutely destroy him. But a decent amount of their power, Jimenez, who may not play tomorrow because he ran into the wall, um, Tim Anderson, Abreu, Encarnacion, they're all righties. He strikes out righties at a smaller clip but we don't have a massive sample size on it. And on top of that, he doesn't give up hard contact. He doesn't give up fly balls to raise. Most of the guys that I'm worried about taking out him out of the ballpark outside of Moncada and Grandal are all righties. So I have a decent amount of interest in him. I don't think people are going to play him at 9.7 K. They're just going to take Josh James and they're going to take um, what's his name. And then they're going to be happy. And so He's going to go overlooked. I have a lot of interest in him in tournaments. I could see him giving up one to two bombs, but I could easily see him striking out eight to ten people in this game. Like, it's definitely within the realm of possibility, and there's definitely a whole lot of upside in this lineup, even though they're very good. Not a single person in this lineup strikes out at under a 20% K rate. I think you nailed it. Um, I don't really need to get into it too much. Like, if we're playing tournaments – like, we can stack the White Sox on one team and play this guy on the other because, like, that's what it is. Like, it's a boom-bust spot. It's either he's going to go out and he's going to miss bats and these guys are going to be whiffing, um, or he's going to go out and these guys are going to hit him hard because there's a lot of power in this lineup. So, a lot of strikeouts in this lot of lineup. Um, and, and just, you know, going over to the White Sox bats, like, that's how I approach them. Um, stack or nothing, I don't really want to play one-offs here. I do think the stack is in play. Because even though they have high strikeout rates, like four or five of these guys had ISOs over 200 against right-handed pitching last season. Yeah, I mean, you can second. I have no problem taking Moncada or Grandal as a one-off. Like, I think more yeah, people are going to sure. go with – Well, people are going to go with Gary Sanchez. Yeah, yeah, like Gary <laughs> Sanchez. You're Immediately, you can get in the exact same lineup as someone, but switch the catcher from Sanchez to Grandal, who Sanchez is going to be way higher owned because they have a 5.7 run total. Like, Savelle strikes out lefties at a decent rate. Grandal strikes out at just a slightly above league average rate. But he gives up a 40% hard contact rate and 41% grand or fly ball rate. Grandal can absolutely take him out of the ballpark. And I just love Moncada in almost every single situation. Both of them, even though they're expensive, we have the money to pay up. Pay for two cheaper pitchers and you're great. We're going to get to two of them pretty quickly here. Um, what's your thoughts here on the Cleveland side of things? Top four of the lineup, have no problem with it. Cease is still a young pitcher who can easily get blown up in any given outing. He has good stuff, but he's still got a 10% walk rate. And he can get into some trouble here, especially against a team that knows how to work the count. They don't have a ton of ball or of walks in their, their lineup, but they absolutely have guys that can just work the count. Ramirez seems to be getting a little bit hot. I think he had two home runs today. Lindor can do things. Reyes can take anyone out of the ballpark here. I I actually like the Cleveland stack here. 
Yeah, and like Daniel Johnson, if he's in the lineup, like he's one of the top prospects for this team. Um and had really good minor league numbers. So like he would definitely be into someone else at thirty seven hundred. Um, you know, Hernandez down there as well. So a lot of different ways to potentially um stack this Cleveland team. So don't mind that at all. Moving on, we got the Royals and the Tigers. Mike Montgomery against Michael Fulmer. Um, any interest here in Montgomery? I played him quite a bit last year. This is a high strikeout lineup that's not very good, but this is not the slate where we need a 6.5K pitcher that might do something. I, like, he could do something. I'm not going to bother with him. Yeah, like, this lineup's nothing special. Um, you know, CJ Crone, Miguel Cabreras, um, like, they, there's better bats in this lineup um, towards the top, but, like, man, the bottom of this order is so bad. I'm with you. I don't think we need him on the slates. Um, but yeah, like it, it doesn't look good. Um, let's go to the other side here. Michael Fulmer probably only going to throw what an inning or two at max here. Um, not going to pitch too deep. I think um, it's going to be either Soto or Alexander. Um, that's, you know, is the long reliever here. Um, both of them are lefties for what it's worth. And both of them struggled against right-handed bats last season. So for me, this is just like a pitching situation that I'm just completely staying away from. There's no point in there's cheap pitchers on the slate. You don't need money. I'm not touching it. Yeah, the thing here is like with it being a lefty coming in, like could we potentially see like Mondesi's 3,500, Soler is 3,800, like Whit Merrifield is the most expensive Kansas City Royal bat at 4K. Like, this might be one of those stacks where, like, it doesn't matter who your pitchers are because they're going to be a lower-owned stack and you can kind of get different here, um, whether it be Alexander or Soto, who's the long reliever. Yeah, yeah, and people are going to immediately look at the numbers, like righty versus lefty, or righty versus righty here, and they're probably going to go more towards the lefties here. When a lefty long relief guy is coming in, it changes things drastically. They've got 4.5 total which is one of the lower ones on the board today and they've got power it's going to be 83 degrees outside roughly tomorrow and you look at like Solaire's numbers versus both righties and lefties he can take him out of the ballpark Witt's got great numbers versus righties Mondesi struggled he's a switch hitter and he struggled a little bit more versus lefties but a guy I'm willing to throw into the lineup like I have no problem throwing these guys in here um and you're just going to have so much money I might even throw a McBroom in there Yes, I was going to say it. Yep. I hate it. I hate it. It's, it's killed me so many times. I'm still going to keep doing it when he's 2K going up against a potential lefty for four or five innings. So, yeah, I like this stack quite a bit, and I don't think it's going to draw that much ownership. Yeah, Mick Broom um, was one of the Yankees guys, 259 ISO, 149, 146 uh, WRC plus in AAA last season, hit 29 home runs for the Yankees in AAA last year. So, there's power there, and with O'Hearn out, like McBroom, 2K, you can play him in the outfield. He's a first baseman, but you can play him in the outfield. So, like, again, like, if you're stacking the Royals, it doesn't matter. Like, you could take the two chalkiest pitchers on the slate because, like, the stack's going to be lower-owned. Uh, because, like Grant said, like, people are going to be like, all right, we're looking at the lefties because it's Fulmer, where technically, like, like it's going to be a lefty coming in and pitching. So, like, you can look at these potential right-handed bats. Even, like, Franco – who we know hits left-handed pitching well. Um, yeah. Plus, you can throw in an optimizer really easily because you can stack anyone one through seven. 
and you have Witt at second and outfield and McBroom at first and outfield. So it makes it an easy double stack in almost every single situation. Yep. Uh, any Detroit bats that you like here? Uh, Crone. I definitely like him. Uh, He's homering. He's in a home run yeah. today. Oh, absolutely. He is Uh scope. Another guy, both of them cheap. I think that the Detroit might actually be a decently popular stack today, which is why I might stay away from it. I'm going to wait and see what Jimeno throws out with, uh, ownership or whoever's doing ownership now i don't even know anymore it's been a long time uh but like i think that they're going to draw some ownership if they're going to be low owned then yeah i'll absolutely throw in a cabrera scope crone uh maven stack or depending on the site those four uh and even nico up there at top but this is a good matchup for them royals bullpen isn't great if i remember correctly montgomery's not a great pitcher he gives up a decent amount of hard contact, and there's actually some power in this Detroit lineup here, and they're all super cheap. I think that they're going to be one of the popular options to stack along with Houston, even though you're getting Brantley in there. Like, you're still paying 5K for the rest of the guys, and they're going to be popular to stack with uh, the Yankees. So if you're going to stack them up and they are going to be popular, do it with a team that's a little bit different than those two, like do it with a non-shock team. If they aren't going to be chalky, absolutely stack them up, and I'll take all the power bats. DJ Crohn's in home run today. Um, Thirty, what he's super cheap. It doesn't matter. Orioles and Marlins. Woji against um, Lopez. Um, any interest here in Wojciechowski? It's going up against Miami. Uh, we're not sure who's going to be in the lineup tomorrow because there could be another five guys with Corona. Um, but Woj, obviously, at a certain point last season, he was dealing for no apparent reason, just shut down the Red Sox. Uh, he doesn't have great stuff. He's not a great pitcher, but he occasionally gets it done. He's going up against a team. I don't think he's going to draw a lot of ownership. He's going up against a team that's not great with a decent amount of strikeouts in there. I have some interest in him as a lower-owned guy that, like, can absolutely get it done here. Remember, they have a 4.7 run total, Miami. That's surprising. But a lot of that is because of Baltimore's horrible bullpen. So, Woj, he's a guy that can strike out. He's still at a 25% K rate versus righties, and he's probably going to face six of them, that all of them are bad. And he's stri- facing some decent strikeout lefties. So, I have a decent amount of interest in him just as a low-end guy. Yeah, I like him too. Um, good, Great ballpark. Might not get the win, but, like, give me 15 to 20 points on DraftKings today, and I think it's plenty. Like, I mean, if I Baltimore can beat the Red Sox, then – that is true. They, I think they can beat the Marlins. Although the Marlins uh, can beat whoever the heck they were playing. The Phillies. Marlins could probably beat the Red Sox. So, um, but yeah, you mentioned it. Like three of these players for the Marlins um, got COVID and they're out. So, like outside of Dickerson, this lineup, Jonathan VR, like it, it's a weak lineup, man. Like he's going to be facing some weak bats here. Like, just, like, avoid giving up a home run to Dickerson. Like, walk him every time he gets up. Like, he has a high walk rate anyway. Just walk those guys, like, and just face this bad part of the lineup. Like, I think he's definitely in play today. Um, and then, like, on the other side, I think Lopez is going to be really popular here. Um, you know, I, it's a Marlins pitcher who has really good splits against right-handed bats. Um, you know, they have four or five righties in this lineup. And he was able to get ground balls to both sides, even giving up a lot of hard contact to lefties. Uh, you think Lopez is going to be pretty popular here? Yeah, I think, like, outside of Josh James, he's probably going to be the most chalky pitcher on the slate. 
Um, we've seen it before a few times last year. Uh, he had a decent matchup, and a lot of people played him. He's a guy that's got decent stuff. He's not great. He's not terrible. He has some decent splits, but anytime he's playing over in Miami, like it's a little bit different of a scenario uh, because he's got a 41% hard contact rate versus lefties, and ball's not leaving the park too often in Miami. And we got Santander, we got Ruiz, we got Chris Davis who can't hit a single thing. Um, and we got Stewart. None of those guys are big home run risks. So he generally keeps the ball a little bit more on the ground versus lefties and doesn't give up nearly as much hard contact. And so I think he's going to be one of the chalkiest pitchers on the slate. I think he may be your cash game SP two. Um, but for tournaments, I like him if he's not going to be chalky, but if he's going to draw a lot of ownership, it might not be the worst idea in the world to stay away from him. All right, Baltimore Bats. Um, obviously, we like him for a reason. Um, you know, this lineup is definitely not scary. Um, I think the scariest bat in this lineup is probably Austin Hayes. Um, any interest here in the Baltimore Bats? I'm just going to sum up batters in this game very quickly. Uh, Dickerson or Aguilar? Yeah, Hayes and Dickerson one-offs would probably be the only way that I would approach this game, too. I don't love it. Like, if you're looking for a low-owned stack, the Baltimore bullpen is terrible. Like, if you want to stack the Marlins at 3% ownership, they could score 10 runs on one or two home runs, but I don't know if that's going to be enough on this slate. That's the only yeah, problem. Yeah, if it were in Baltimore, it would be an entirely different situation. But, yep. like – they're, they're probably not hitting too many bombs here. All right, Mets and Red Sox. Michael Waka against um, – Zach Godley is going to be the long reliever, so we'll say Zach Godley. Um, any interest here in Michael Waka? Against Boston? In Boston, no. <laughs> Waka, really high Woba last season. His strikeout rate was under 19%. Um, even, like, the ground ball rate started to dip and the hard hit rate started to go up. So, uh, I'm with you. I have no interest in Waka. Zach Godley was terrible last year too. High high walk rate, low strikeout rates. Uh, many interest in Godley in, in the long relief role here. Nope. Uh, let's talk bets. Um, the Mets bats are probably one of my favorite stacks on the slate. I, I ranked them top three for me on this slate. Um, I really like the Mets here. Zach Godley's terrible. Boston bullpen is very shaky. Um, this could be a spot the Mets hang ten plus on the Red Sox. Yeah, absolutely. Um, right there with you. I have no problem playing anyone, obviously. Alonzo, McNeil, Conforto, Cespedes, Nimmo, even Cano. Like, all of them are very much in play. They're a little bit more expensive, and people are going to be more drawn towards both the Astros and the Yankees as higher price stacks. So this being a lot lower owned, I think it's the perfect pivot off of those two higher price stacks there. And Godley, not good. This is this is just going to be a this is going to be a high scoring Mets game here. This game is going to be high scoring in general. Like there, this could be like you're you're betting the over in this game. Like this is a game both sides of this game. Like we, I don't yeah, even know what we the don't over have is. a total for it. Yeah, we don't have a total yeah, for it yeah. right now. It it could be ten and a half, and I'd bet the over in this game. Like yeah. you know, unless it's something crazy like twelve, and like then you're just playing the odds. But like this could be a game that's a ton of runs. Like. The Red Sox bats on the other side of this game. Benatendi, Devers, like all these guys. Um, Verdugo should be in the lineup here. Like, like just load up on bats in this game. This is a juicy, juicy ba- baseball game. Yep, right there with you. Um, 
All right, let's play the morning grind game, and then we'll get out of here. Um, under 8K to get six or more strikeouts will be where we start. We're going back to the old morning grind game. Got a lot of tweets and messages and stuff, so we're just going to switch it back. Um, so give me a guy under 8K to get six or more Ks. Uh, I'm going more ballsy than I was on opening day because we have more than two games. Um, I'm going with Woj. You took my guy. I knew you were going to take my guy, too. No, oh, you know me too well. Gosh, I missed this. I did. Um See, I just don't think anybody else under here can get six or more Ks. So I'm going to take the guy that I think is going to score the most points um, and give me Jake Arietta against the Yankees. Um, over 8K to score under 15. Who's your bust today? Uh, oh, Hauser. Really not on him, are you? No, I'm not. I think when you dig into him more, like he might be someone that you – end up on more than you think right now it's more the matchup than anything like in a different spot and also i guess the rain is probably playing into it but like i just don't like playing pitchers against the pirates because they generally have a low run total because they're not a good team but they just don't strike out a whole lot yeah i get that for sure um i'm going john lester uh i already said that like i like the cincinnati stack here i don't think john lester is going to do well um, expensive bat to hit a home run. Who do you got for over 4K to hit a home run today? Can I go exactly 4K? Sure can. Reese's Pieces. I should have just like wrote that in earlier. I already knew that's who you were going to pick. So, um, man, there's so many bats on the slates. I'm trying not to go like super chalky here. Give me, um, Nick Cassianos against John Lester. Uh, under 4K to get two hits. Who do you got? Crone. That's a nice one. I like that one. See, the, the chalky answer here is Michael Brantley, right? Like, yes. Or Gene Segura. Like, that's the chalky answer. I'm not going chalky. I'm going Solaire, and one of those is going to be a home run. Um, well, two, that, both of mine are going to be home runs. Where oh, double, double dunk call. Um, give me a stack to score six or more runs on the slate. I mean, there's the obvious ones. I'm trying to think of the one I was on the most throughout the podcast that's going to be under-owned. Nah, I'm just going Mets. Yeah, I like the Mets call. Like I said, they're a top three team for me on this slate. I'm going to go with the Kansas City Royals. I think they're going to be super different. I don't think a lot of people are going to be on them on this slate. And then finish it out, Grant. Give me an over-under against the spread pick. Uh, give me something that's standing out to you today. What was it? I already said it at the beginning of the slate. Uh I'm going with the under on the Tampa Bay Rays, under eight and a half. Tampa Bay. Next, I'm just going to throw that bet in right now. <laughs> there you go. Get it on. Get it in there. Uh, we don't have a total for the Red Sox um, game yet. The Unless it is over 12, I'm going to take the over in that one. And if it's over 12 when it comes out, um, I will, I'll send out a tweet and, and change now, that guys, up. So. There's already heavy juice on the under. Over on DK on that game. Apparently, I'm not the only one. All right. Um, any final thoughts before we get out of here? Nope. I got nothing. All right. It's going to wrap it up here for Monday. Hope everyone had an awesome weekend. We'll be back tomorrow talking some more baseball. Good luck in your contest, and we'll see you then. Take it. <laughs>